Okay, Mana, this is module uh, 13.5, the release of his presence. Okay, um, just reading from the top. The release, the priority of the Holy Spirit within our lives is to make us more and more like who? Jesus. Jesus. So as you read through the New Testament, you, you will find more and more that things that this is to, these great and precious promises are so we can become partakers of the divine nature. That's Peter. Paul, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. Put on the armour of God. And it talks about his righteousness and his truth and his peace and and being transformed into his likeness from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord in Corinthians. And so, and it's a, it's a recurring theme, of course, through, through the, you know, God sent Jesus because he want, wanted many sons in glory, just like Jesus, you know. And the scripture keeps talking about this, um, the, the changing us from the inside. And the whole purpose of the Spirit of God within us is to make us more and more like Jesus. Hallelujah. So, uh, you know, uh, if you believe in miracles, there you go. You, you, you know, anyone taking on that job, uh, making us more like Jesus, has got a job on his hands, yes? And, and he has. But he says, faithful as he has promised, who also will bring it to pass. In Thessalonians, in the end there. The last few verses. And so, so God, that's, that's the product. Of all the things that are happening to you right now and have happened and will happen to you, especially since you've given your life to Jesus, the priority. God said, Genesis, let us make man in our image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And, and that, that purpose has never changed. Sure, uh, the enemy came in and spoiled that likeness, and ever since then, the, the God has been wanting to restore that likeness. And the purpose uh, of the cross was to deal with the sin question so that we could become we, more and more like him. And then uh, the Bible says, and when we see him, we shall be like him. John says, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And it's also, when we see him, we shall be like him. So, so there's a, this ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. The good things, the bad things, the easy things, the difficult things, the agenda underneath it all is to make us more like Christ, yes? yes. And uh, that's it. That, that, that's great. That's what we want. Um, and, uh, so the, the, and the purpose of, of, the, of evil is to destroy that likeness. And to rob and to steal and to, to, to destroy that likeness of Christ. So, so there it is. Then, then he desires, the second priority is that he might, the Holy Spirit wants to bless others through us. Working on us and transforming us into his likeness, then we become useful. Uh, the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bless others and to make a difference in, in the world in which we live. Yes? yes? And so that's what we want to be, you know. I, I, I want to be able to be a blessing to other people. Uh, does anyone else feel like that in here? Okay, three of us, that's good. Okay, well. Yeah. Oh, ladies, well done, you got here. Well done, you folks. Where are you going to sit? In outer darkness, there's one seat there, girl. Do you want to sit together? 
can sit there. I'll get another seat. As long as you don't mind sitting that close, I'll move. Yeah, because I want to keep my eye on you both. Otherwise, if it's a nice warm seat, you want a warm seat? Because you're going to get one if you sit there every day. Yes, so, um, Colossians, in Colossians 1 and verse 19, it says, Of his fullness have we all received. I think that's what it says. What does it say? Okay, we'll have a look. Colossians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians. 1 and 19, is it? For God was pleased to have all his fullness uh, to dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile him to, to himself all things. And Colossians chapter 2 goes on and says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. So when we receive Jesus, we receive the fullness of God. Yes, we are complete in him. So we already have all we're going to get of God, of his fullness that we all received. Why then do we struggle in life and are not effective as Christians as we could be or should be? If he already lives within us, then the secret must lie in releasing his life through us. This most often happens through brokenness and I want to expand on this thought tonight uh, because it's, it's, it's a matter of allowing and having a, the perspective of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us through the difficult times yes and it's, it's bringing us to a point where we easily can let the life of God flow through us. Out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Um, Sunday night was a great release for many people. And, 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 and God was in the house and the Holy Spirit was doing good things amongst the people. And uh, the reports are starting to come in. Uh, during, the, during that night at the front, three people gave their lives to Christ in the middle of all that was happening. And he was at work, hallelujah. And good things were happening and people's lives were being impacted. Um, but the dealings of God bring a softness in our heart and allow us to, to release the presence of God from within. We need to go to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure, that's Jesus, in jars of clay. The old authorized used to say, in earthen vessels. You know, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So we have this here. What's, what's the treasure of our life? It's, it's Christ within us, the hope of glory. The power of the Christian is, that, is, is the indwelling Christ. God has not said, okay, you guys need to make an effort, and if you can, reach up to heaven and reach up to the standard of holiness that I have set. We know that is impossible. 
So he said, I will come down and change you and I'll live my life through you by my spirit. And, and so that's Christianity. And, and, and so we have this treasure in, in jars of clay. And we need to somehow be able to release the life of Christ through us. It's like I've been talking to you about, you know, the story of Roger Federer in the tennis. Mm. And, 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 you know, we, we have the strength. You're not using all your strength, little boy who's trying to move the rock. You're not using all your strength, you know, ask me, ask me. To, you know, and, and we so often struggle along on our own and we need to somehow learn to, to, to allow Christ to live through us, to allow the Spirit of the Lord to empower us, to enable us, to, to, to uh, make us more like Jesus, to, to, to release his wisdom. Uh, it's there. It's there. You, he's in you. He's in me. And we just need to allow him to function freely. So sometimes the Spirit of God allows things to cause brokenness in our hearts. Judges 7. Uh, and verse 7. Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, Samuel, Clinton, Chronicles, and we find Judges there. Judges number 7. Gideon, verse 16, we're reading. During uh, dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly what I do. So here is Gideon. He has, uh, God has told him that he can defeat this enemy that was uh, uh, just destroying the Israelite people. And he says, that's fine, I'll, off I go. And I think he started with 40-something thousand, didn't he? And God said, no, that's far too many, that's no use. And so there was a couple of tests, and he cut it down, and in the end he got left with 300. Mm. And, and God says, that's better. You know, uh, don't despise the day of small beginnings. God doesn't need a huge crowd to fulfill his purpose. God doesn't need you and I to be particularly brilliant to fulfill his purpose through us. He just needs us. And so when... When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just after they changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding it in their right hands, the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. Imagine waking up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden they're surrounded by all these torches but, and, and there's trumpets blowing and there's guys shouting, the sword of the Lord of Gideon, and, and panic. And, and, and a victory was won that day. But the light was held in the container and it was hidden in the container until the jar was broken. And, and, and it's, a, it's a picture of your life and mine. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, it says, If the gospel is hid, it is hidden to those who are lost. If the gospel is hidden or veiled, the, uh, the uh, NIV says, if the gospel is veiled or it's hidden, 
And it's hidden within us. You have the gospel. You understand the gospel. You've received Jesus as your saviour and Lord. You're okay. But if we hide the light, you know, Jesus talked about hiding the old light under the bushel, under the table. If we hide the light, if the light is not shining in us, it's not going to affect us because it shines in us. But if it's hid from the people who don't know the gospel. They don't get it. They don't receive uh, what we've got. And so we, we need to release the presence of God. Um, Mark chapter 14. <clears throat> I was just reading this the other day. And, and what we were in verse 3. Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away. Now we learned about the, the Feast of Israel. So the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread was only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him, but not during the feast. They said, or the people may riot. So the religious people knew that the feast of Passover was about to happen two days ahead, and so they wanted to kill Jesus, but let's not do it on the feast, otherwise we're going to have a riot on our hands. But Jesus was the Lamb of God. Remember when John the Baptist, when Jesus turned up for the first time, before John the Baptist, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every Jewish person knew that that was this Passover lamb. The Lamb of God, was the Lamb was slain on that Passover day. And so, so here, here, here he is. And uh, so it's two days to go. But of course we know that Jesus died at Passover. And uh, so there it is. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, and she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And uh, so, and then it talks about some of those people were saying indignantly, why is this waste of perfume? Could have been sold for more than a year's wages. And Jesus said, look, she's done a great thing. And, and, and for my burial, and uh, this is going to be talked about right down through the end of time. And we're still talking about it in New Zealand, in Kerry Kerry, many years later, just like Jesus said we would be. And so here, here she is. But you see, this was a, this, this was a, a year's wages. This, this was not just an ordinary, you know, a, a, you know, something you buy at the op shop with a bit of a spray of a perfume. This was a... A, a, a jar of, of perfume of fifty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of perfume, years' wages, whatever it is, you know. And, and, and she brings this, and she 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 breaks. She the, the the perfume is contained in the jar. You can see the picture. The and, and, and John twelve when it talks about this, it says, and and, and the fragrance filled the room. The fragrance filled the room, yeah? So, so uh, uh, she breaks it, and this beautiful perfume just filled the room. And, and, you know, you and I contain this treasure in this vessel. But if it is just contained within us, then we enjoy it, but it doesn't help too many others. 
And so sometimes the Spirit of God leads us into wilderness things. Sometimes there comes a brokenness in our life that he, he alone allows. See, when we come into a place, all of us leave something behind. And we can look back and sometimes we've left a stink. <laughs> because of our attitude, because of how we are, you know. Because, you know, we, we can. And then some of us leave the fragrance of a right heart, of a right attitude, of being able to say the, the right thing at the right time. And, and there, many times we, 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 we leave a situation and we say, oh, I wish I'd never said, you must I'd never, do, you know, and so on and so forth. But hey, um, you know, the treasure is within us. If God can work his works of grace in our lives, then there comes that fragrance of life that people recognize. Yeah. The anointing oil, the, the, the perfume um, was good. When, you, when we talk about, and I'll do this at some point, the anointing oil that was used in the Old Testament times to anoint the uh, articles in the tabernacle, to anoint the high priest, to anoint the kings uh, for setting apart. Um, had five different spices, but and they all have different meanings. But one of them was the galbana, the one that gave gave the, gives the anointing all that beautiful fragrance is galbana, and it comes from 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 stripping or cutting and breaking the the bark of the tree. You know, like a rubber tree, you have to make a cut in it, and then the well, it's like this with this galbana, which is a which is a beautiful fragrant uh, perfume, and it, and it's so. But it, but the bark has to be broken for it to come out. Otherwise, it's just contained. David, Psalm 31. So this was written at the time of 1 Samuel 23. Uh, David was being pursued by Saul. Um, friend after friend was betraying him. He was running for his life. He'd lost all his friends. He had a few that were, that were tracking with him. Saul was seeking to kill him. And finally, his son Absalom um, just turns against him and really betrays his father. And, and so David begins to write about this in Psalm 31. And he says, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. You say, this is just what I needed to hear tonight. <laughs> because of all my enemies, I'm the utter contempt of my neighbours. I'm a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I'm forgotten by them as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery. In other words, I used to contain something. But this situation, I'm like a broken old pot. No use to anybody. For I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and I plot to take my life. This was pretty deep. But I, but, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant and save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I've cried out to you, but let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. You see, and he, and he 
turns to the Lord and, and he says, but this thing has worked. And we know that as time went on, the things that happened to David brought a softness in his heart. You can understand this was a young man who had success after success after success after success. But in the middle of it, he had these trials. He had these tragedies that worked in his life. And God said about him, he was a man after my own heart. Hallelujah. In other words, it didn't always work <laughs> all good for him. He got himself into difficulties. He had difficult things happening. But he kept this heart that was towards God. And God worked things in his life through the trials that he faced. Psalm 51 and verse 17 this was after that he, he, he had uh, been found out about his time with uh, Bathsheba and he'd killed, uh, uh, you know, uh, the story there. And the sacrifices of God, he said, are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And so there is a place of humility, isn't there? When does God... Where does the grace of God operate in our lives? At a place of humility. Where does God pour into our lives? You know, we learn more about sailing in the rough conditions than we do in the fine, sunny conditions. And sometimes we fight against everything that is rough in our lives, but we need to look up above that. And we need to say, thank by faith, thank you, Lord, I believe you're working good in my situation. Hallelujah. You see? And so there it is. John 12 and verse 24, Jesus is talking about the seed. What does he say about it? Unless... That's what it says. Jesus replied... The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. And unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This is a remarkable statement by Jesus because the way he was going to glorify God, remember he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, you let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, glorify your name. And God received glory by the victory of the cross. Um, but it brought brokenness to him. It was, it brought brokenness. He said, look, it's in the natural. You've got a seed, it's got to die. It, it, the, the seed coat has to be broken. What happens in a seed when it goes in? It needs, it needs three things. It needs, for it to germinate, it needs oxygen, it needs warmth, and it needs water. General science, year nine. So we say to the kids, and then we get those little seeds and we plant them in cotton wool on petri dishes, and lo and behold, they grow. And they watch, and after a day or two, see the little, every seed has a little hole in it called a micropile. And the little hole, that's where the water gets in. So you water the plant, and that little micropile opens, that's in when it gets soft, and in goes the water and bursts the hard seed coat the seed has contained the life within it, maybe for months, maybe for years, maybe for decades. The life is there, but it just needs the right conditions to split that hard seed coat so the little embryo can begin to grow. And then from one seed, it can produce many seeds. Yeah? 
uh, as time goes on. And that's what our life is like. Jesus said it is like that. He says, if we, if we just keep living to ourselves and just keep enjoying everything and don't take on the hard times that come with grace, then, then hey, there's no change in our life. The water of the Holy Spirit can't break out of us and can't cause the growth of the life of Jesus within us to become stronger and stronger in, in, in our lives. So there's dealings of God that breaks an unwillingness. Breaks a stubbornness. You know, we're all, we've all, you know, we've all had great things yet. Well, we know what it's all about. We know it's like this, like this. We can explain it to every anybody. But every so often, I know in my life, everyone God has said, "Well, that's not how it is." That's you might you might have been brought up to think that way, but in actual fact, that is not the truth of the matter. And, and we say, well, yes, it is. And, there's, you know, there are scores of people, especially in churches, who know about it all. And you can ask, they can rattle it off. But, and then one day they go through a circumstance, they go through a situation or something like that, and all of a sudden, I never saw it like that. And there comes a softness in our hearts and the dealings of God. There comes... Sometimes, you know, a brokenness in, in our lives uh, that, that does this. We hold certain viewpoints, then something happens and we begin to see it differently. A softer heart, an attitude emerges. The water of the Holy Spirit gets into that little seed and begins to expand and trying to split the hard seed coat. Bible verses for those facing brokenness. I mean, this is, there's some, some scriptures here that are important for us. How good it is. Praise the Lord. Psalm 147. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and how fitting to praise him. That's what I liked about Sunday night. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Just to sit there and praise God and to worship God. Hallelujah. And uh, it was just good. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, the Lord is near the brokenhearted, verse 18. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 51 and verse 17, we had it before, a broken and a contrite spirit you will not despise. Isaiah 61 and verse... No, it's Ezekiel. Thank you. I think it's Ezekiel. We'll soon find out. Ezekiel 34 and verse 16. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up, in this version, the injured and strengthen the weak. So there it is. Bind up, in that word, is the brokenhearted. The, 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 the brokenhearted. Luke 4.18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the gospel, to heal the distressed and the bruised. And so on. So it's like that. This morning I was just going through this and I looked up again this next scripture in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 24. And Jesus is talking about uh, going to the cross. And he's talking about, and we use this scripture often when we come to communion, don't we? 
It says, here, for I received from the Lord, this is Paul talking, uh, what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took back bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. <laughs> I wrote down in my margin of my Bible this. Wow! Exclamation mark. And the reason I did that is because on the night Jesus was betrayed, and he knew what was coming. He, he, he had read the Old Testament scriptures. He knew what was facing him, that he, his life was going to be broken. And he t took this bread and gave thanks. I don't know about you, but if I was 24 hours from being crucified on the cross, I'm not sure that I'd be giving thanks and saying, this is my body which is broken for you guys. And yet, in a sense, that is what happens in our lives. The dealings of God in our lives bring a softness and even sometimes a brokenness that this is my body, which this is my life, which is broken for you. So that that which comes from within will be coming with us with a softness and with a genuineness and with a, with a, a, a life stream that, hey, I've been in dark places, but he was there with me. And it brought us... Softness. You know, I, for years I, I, I had all the answers. And now I've got questions. <laughs> there were some, you know, uh, many of you know, I went through some dark years, yeah? And, and, and coming through that and looking back now and seeing me today and comparing with what I was yesterday, in inverted commas, there's something's happened to me. And the brokenness and the dealings that we go through sometimes, if we allow the grace of God to work his work in us, hallelujah, it's like I've been through this, hallelujah, this is my brokenness and it's for you. Because out of that brokenness comes a genuineness and an empathy and, and an understanding of people and, a, and an ability to get alongside other people. Yeah? yeah. Because... If we sail through life, and, and, and would to God that it was like that, but, but it's, it's not usually, uh, and, and you know, we, we gravitate towards people that have walked the path before us and got through it. Yeah? And so Jesus is going, and he, and he breaks this bread, and he knows what's coming. He's seen people crucified. Dozens of them. He's watched this. He knows what's ahead of it. He comes to his disciples and he breaks the bread and he says, this is my body. Which is, and he's giving thanks to God. Which is broken for you. Out of your situation can come health and healing for others that you would never know how to minister unless you'd walked a few miles. You understand what I'm saying, don't you? And Jesus contained with himself a great treasure, his precious lifeblood. 
The only thing that could take away the sin of the world. Jesus was without sin. He couldn't die. He, he, was without, he had to give himself up to die. He said, I have the power to lay down my life. I have my power to take it again. He said, God's given me this. And, and, and so, but the, the power of his life, and in some ways the value, in one sense, the value of his life was his lifeblood, which was to be shared for the forgiveness of the sins for everybody. But while it was within him, locked within him, it was not going to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. First Timothy said he, about Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for us all. He paid the price, praise God, for us all. When Jesus walked on earth, it was good and wonderful. However, until his body was broken and his blood shed, the true value of his life was hidden. Millions of people are glad that the body of Jesus was broken so that their lives could be cleansed from every stain of sin. This is my body which is broken for you. And you know the scripture which I've, if you've been coming to these classes, you know that I value this scripture in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 because it's a beautiful picture of, of, of Jesus in action and, uh, and how he handled things. And it has been the saving of my life and situations uh, where I could have done something really stupid and, and been very clever um, and, and, and done the wrong thing to justify myself. Um, where is it? Why haven't I got it here? I can't see it. 1 Peter 2.21. No. I, yes, 23. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Oh, no, 21. Go back to 21. Is that what I had down there? Just stick to your notes, Ian. You'll do very well if you do. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Wow. Boy, that has become a thing in my life that I know that I know that I know that that is how to live under pressure. I mean, Jesus is facing incredible pressure. And it just says that, you know, he, I mean, we, we blow it. We make mistakes. And then we get rubbished for it. But Jesus never made any mistakes. And he still got rubbished. And, and so it says here, he, he, instead, instead of striking back, they said, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you come down from the cross. They said that to me, I'd have been down like a shot. Scared the living daylights out of them. You saved others, why don't you save yourself? Yeah, I will, watch this. You know, but he didn't. He was going to persevere through this trial, yes? Instead, he entrusted himself. And that verse, entrusted himself, is in the present continuous tense in the original, which means he, he entrusted himself to God and he kept on entrusting himself. It wasn't like Jesus said, right, I'm going to the cross, Lord, I trust you with this, let's go. 
As he went through that trial, he had to come back again. Lord, I hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm trusting you with this. In the grave, I'm trusting you with this. I, and he said he kept on in trust. This was not just a trial that went by in half an hour and then he was right. This was a trial that went on. And so he just kept on entrusting himself to him who, what? Judges righteously. In other words, Lord, you know the right of this thing. I let it go. I trust you to work it out. I'm not going to get off my bike about this. I'm going to trust you. And that is a place of brokenness. That is a place of real submission. It's a place of just letting God do the thing. You know, we so often get our sticky fingers into it into any situation and we, you know, get all uptight and, and uh, so on. And, but we need to come back to this point of, of being able to entrust the Lord with it. Um, yeah. Luke 24. Verse 30. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago I was reading this. And... Um, so, so he's, he's gone to the cross, he's risen from the dead, and he's walking with these two afterwards on the road to Emmaus, yeah? Mm-hmm. And it just says, when he was at the table with them, verse 30, Luke 24, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And um, I wrote in the margin of my Bible, Patterns for Ministry. One, blessed. Two, broken. Three, given. And, and, and you know, he took the bread and he gives thanks. He blesses the bread. There's no, there's no shadow of, of turning. There's no, there's no shadow of doubt that you and I have been blessed. Yes? If God doesn't do anything else for us, from here on till we die, he's done pretty good. Yeah? You know, there is more, but hey, he's blessed us. He's blessed us. Then he took the bread and he blessed it, but then he broke it. So no, I, don't want, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want broken. I want all together. So everyone can see that I'm all together. Thank you very much. And I've got the answers and I know what I'm doing. And I'm just, yeah. And I'll be a blessing to whoever comes. And God says, wait a minute, snap. (laughs) You know, (laughs) because if it's all of me, the excellency of the power is not of me. It's not of God. It becomes of me. And everyone sees me but doesn't see him. And people change when they see him. People change when they hear from him. I can preach a thousand good sermons that have, you know, three points, da-da-da-da-da, all true, all good stuff. And it's like, doesn't do an ounce of good. But one sermon where they see Jesus and they say, I want him. 
I want him. Or they hear his voice. You know, one of my key scriptures that I pray before I come to speak is, in John 10, I think it is the last verse, says, while Jesus was speaking, many put their faith in him. That's what we want. So that we turn people to Jesus and they put their faith in him. But often it's out of the dealings of our own life that he shines better. Because we do get in the way. Come on. My personality, you know, and so on and so forth. And then he breaks it and he gives it. And he feeds and he, and, and, and he meets the need. And that is a real key for... Um, Brokenness. I, I, as you know, um, I read um, the word for today, and I've cleverly hidden it in here somewhere. This happens quite a bit in my life. Who's nicked it? Where did I put it? Oh, it's under here. It's like finding socks in a drawer. They're very elusive. Until my wife comes in and opens the drawers, says, there they are. <laughs> and I hate it when that happens. <laughs> it's very humbling. It brings brokenness to my life. Um, let, me, let me read you this for Saturday, 8th of June. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. One day... Jesus met a woman who'd come to draw water from a well and after five failed marriages, her trust in men was zero and her self-esteem was minus zero. But after her encounter with Christ, she left the well radically changed. When it comes to sharing our faith, we learn three important lessons from her story. Number one, Jesus sees the best in everybody. The Pharisees complained saying, this man receives sinners. And when it came to the woman at the well, they were right. She'd been through five divorces and was the talk of the town because she was living with another man. Yet she was the first person to whom Jesus introduced himself as the Messiah. Why didn't he do that when he called his disciples or performed his first miracle or interviewed Nicodemus? It's because Jesus doesn't measure, measure you by your past or your pedigree, but by your potential. That is a great little line. God doesn't measure us according to our past or our pedigree, but by our potential. Wow. Number two, Jesus changes you, then he uses you to change others. This woman was the first person to share the gospel in Samaria. And many Samaritans, it says, believed in him because of the word of the woman. Out of your brokenness, God can use you to make others whole. Number three, Jesus doesn't need you to explain him, just to introduce him. He speaks for himself. The Bible says many more believed because of his own word. They said to the woman, now we believe not because just of what you have said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ. Today, share your faith with someone. And, and, and it's true, you know, Jesus meets the, this woman and he Sees the potential in her. Over the page. John chapter 7, we talked about this on Sunday morning, and uh, we have a little more understanding of it now. Verse 37 says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, this was the feast of Tabernacles. 
And part of the festival of tabernacles was that the the priest would take a big a jar of water by one of the pools there, and he would take it and pour it out, and it would run down the steps um, of the city. And um, so when he was doing this, Jesus is standing there, and he says in a loud voice, "If anyone is thirsty." Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. We know that the Holy Spirit was sent on the day of Pentecost, yeah? And so, so out, of our, what's gonna, out of our innermost being, there is this flow of life. That is there. It, the stream of his spirit, of his presence is within us. But unless it gets out. You know, Moses stood there one time and they were dying in the desert because they didn't have lack of water. And God said, speak to the rock and water will come out. Another time he said, strike the rock and water will come out. And sometimes this hardness in our life needs to be spoken to or it needs to be whacked. To let the life of Christ come out of us. Because, you know, we are so stubborn about things. We are so set in our ways off times. And sometimes it takes a, a whack with a four by two and say, did you take notice of that, please? Okay. And God gets our attention in some ways. And it's not always easy, either for him or for us. But it works. And... And this river of living water is described in Ezekiel chapter 47, that river that got deeper and deeper and deeper. And it says in the end, it says, uh, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. It talks about everywhere the river flows, it brings things to life. There's fish, there's trees going everywhere it goes. The, the desert area becomes living again. You know, the life of the Spirit is, is, is so great. And then it talks about fruit trees of all kinds will grow, like verse 12, on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And, and so this picture of these rivers, and, and, and they receive the water that flows from the sanctuary. And you know... You know, the people in your sphere of influence long for you to be able to give them water from the sanctuary of your heart. Yeah. And we don't want to lock it away. We need to get healed. We need to get sorted. We need to be able to let the Spirit of God flow from our lives. I think that's why uh, sometimes, you know, the gift of tongues and speaking, and tongues, that's a real surrendering of our life to the Lord. And it's just an overflow of faith and of worship and of prayer to the Lord, of just expression that is, uh, that is just a release of that stream of life that comes from within us. And it's important. Not just for you, but for the others. The bread was broken not just to deal with me, as good as that and necessary as that might be, but if he doesn't deal with me, then 
Christ will not shine. And instead of leaving a perfume behind, you leave a stink. There was an old guy, I think I shared this, whether it was in this class or in another class, I can't remember, but when I was brought up as a young teenager in, in Wellington, and there was a, a, an older man there, well, I pr he probably wouldn't class him as old anymore because he probably is not as old as I am now. But it's funny how people are, get younger and, you know. I'm very upset when I read in the, in the, in the paper on the news, I, I hear that an elderly man, and you find out that he's 68 or something, and you think, <laughs> I bind that bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, but this guy, he was a lovely, but just a quiet guy. But um, I didn't know who he was really. I mean, just a, I'm just a teenager, you know, just in the church. But one day they asked him to share his story. And he gets up and shares his story. And he'd, he was a Jewish man. And he'd been through the prison camps. And he survived. And he had been broken. But boy, when he spoke, you listened. Because he was a man that had experienced something. He was the most gracious man. And I remember being out on the streets and us young guys were out singing with our guitars and preaching and sharing our story and so on. And then we'd get him to come and speak out in the open air. You'd have to have a microphone turned up because he'd only speak in a soft voice. But I noticed when he started to speak, people would stop and they would just come closer and closer to hear what he had to say. Things that bring about brokenness. Number one, circumstances work this in us. Don't ask God to break you. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 is humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and in due time he will exalt. I'm going to ask God to break. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Just humble yourself. Let God work in your humility without going through those. Trials. You know, trials do, don't they? They work in us. James says, he said, I, I, I'm, he was a bit like Paul. He said, trials are all right. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, who is this guy? <laughs> because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And, and so these things work in us, bring us to maturity. You know, it's, a, it's an awful thing. If a kid is growing up, and we see it in the high schools, and we see it and think the kid has been spoiled, and he comes into school, and he, he's, he's, never, he, he's never known how to say, yes, Dad. He just has just ruled the roost and just stamped his foot and done what he's like, or she has, and then they come in and you say, listen, <laughs> you should have grown up long ago. This is not how life is, you know. But then you come to adulthood and you see the same thing still happening. And you think, hello, come on. Trials are to bring us to this point where we know where the boundaries are. We know how to act. We know how to live. 
We know how to be uh, submissive when we need to be submissive. We know when to stand up for what, what, for what is good and what is right. We know we, we emotionally we are, are secure. Yeah? And, and we've worked out a few things. We've walked a few miles. And, and so it's like that. And then that light, first, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17, this light affliction works for us. Says Paul, this light affliction works for us an eternal weight of glory. In other words, this light, this trouble that we we face is, is, is doing us good. It, it's working for us. That person that really annoys you is working for you. You need to pay them some wages. They look here. Yeah, it's fifty bucks. You're doing a great job. You're really proud of all. But you're working things in my, my life. I'm learning how to handle this with grace. I'm coming to maturity in my life. Yeah. And, and the Holy Spirit is working in me to make me more like Jesus. So I do, don't fly off the handle and, and say dumb things that only cause more trouble. And, and, and it's just like, you know, we all, I used to say, we all carry a bucket of water, a bucket of petrol, you know. And we either come to a situation, we either throw a bucket of water or we throw a bucket of petrol. Yes. You know, and, and we wonder why we get into difficulties. So time works brokenness, doesn't it? Time. Time, 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 time works in us. Hallelujah. And it causes this softness in our heart. God doesn't want you, he, he doesn't want you to be broken for the rest of you. He wants a degree of brokenness to, to release his life within us that will put us back together so we can stand on our feet and, and be secure and be confident because we've come through some things and we've seen God do some stuff in our lives and we become secure in who we are yeah, and who God says we are. And we're secure in God and the goodness of God. And then spending time with God in worship and prayer, I found, brings a softness to my life. I, I don't think you can worship God for long and be very arrogant. And, and think that you know everything. You can't spend time in the Word a whole lot and spend time in the presence of God. Put on some music and begin to worship Him. Begin to thank Him for all His goodness. You can't do that consistently and not come to a soft and, a, and, a, and an awe of God and a, and a right perspective of who we are and, and how good He is. Hallelujah. Um. Let, let me read you from, from a book called When I Saw Him by Roy Hesse. It's an old book. And um, he, the, he says, I cannot do better than to, to include here a short writing by the Reverend John Collinson on the subject of brokenness, which I reproduce here with his permission. Sometimes it is asked what we mean by brokenness. Brokenness is not easy to define, but can be clearly seen in the reaction of Jesus especially as he approached the cross and in his crucifixion, I think it can be applied personally in this way. When to do the will of God means that even my Christian friends will not understand, and I remember that neither did his friends believe in him, and I bow my head to obey and accept the misunderstanding, this is brokenness. When I'm represented or deliberately misinterpreted, and I remember that Jesus was falsely accused, but he held his peace. And I bow my head to accept the accusation without trying to justify myself. This is brokenness. 
when another is preferred before me and I am deliberately passed over and I remember that they cried away with this man and release unto us Barabbas and I bow my head and accept rejection. This is brokenness. When my plans are brushed aside and I see the work of many years brought to ruins by the ambitions of others and I remember that Jesus allowed them to lead him away to crucify him and he accepted that place of seeming failure and I bow my head and accept the injustice without bitterness. This is brokenness. When in order to be right with my God, it is necessary to take the humbling path of confession and restitution and I remember that Jesus made himself of no reputation and humbled himself even the death of the cross and I bow my head and am ready to accept the shame of exposure, then this is brokenness. When others take unfair advantage of my being a Christian and treat my belongings as public property, and I remember they stripped him and parted his garments, and I bow my head and accept joyfully the spoiling of my goods. For his sake, this is brokenness. When one acts towards me in an unforgivable way, And when I remember that when he was crucified, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I bow my head and accept any behaviour toward me as permitted by my loving Heavenly Father. This is brokenness. When people expect the impossible of me, and more than time or human strength can give, and I remember that Jesus said, This is my body, which is given for you and I repent of my self-indulgence and lack of self-giving for others, this is brokenness. Father, tonight we just still our hearts in, in your presence. Well, this is not the easiest thing to talk about, and yet, Jesus, you walked it. And you released your life, Lord, so that we might have life. You were broken, Lord, so that we might be made whole. Lord, we who are your disciples, in a very minor way, Lord, face the dealings of life, the push of other people's ambitions and desires that push against us and hurt us, and open us up and wound us. And Lord, even those things you work for good and you cause a softness in our hearts and we learn to be like Jesus, who, Lord, took the low road. He took the path to the cross and he won. And we have been recipients of that victory along with millions of others. Thank you, Jesus, that you took that bread and you blessed it and you broke it. That's what you're doing, Lord, in my life. You've blessed me. Over the years, you've dealt with things and caused a brokenness to come. And I pray that your life will flow like that stream of living water to the blessing 
of hundreds and hundreds of people, Lord. Even in these years of my life, Lord, I trust you to let that river flow and to let Jesus be seen so that you might do the works that you want to do amongst people, that you'll heal the sick, that you'll deliver the oppressed through us people, just as ordinary people. So, Lord, we hear your voice. We listen. We don't know what it all means, but we know enough to know that this is important. So we allow your Holy Spirit to work your works of grace in our life. Forgive us for the times when we've flown off the handle, said the smart answer, packed a sad for months, refused to forgive. And left a stink wherever we went for weeks. And I pray, Lord, that we'll learn how to leave the fragrance of Christ and to bring the fragrance of Christ into any and every situation. We need your help, Lord, (laughs) but you're in us. And you want us to be more like Jesus than we've ever been before. Lord, we've been talking about the power of your presence. Shine through, Lord, my life. Shine through the life of my friends. And let from each of us come a precious flow of healing life. That whoever comes close is refreshed and blessed. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Our memory verses, he that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. That's my prayer for you.